Coach Teague is what we're going to call him. We're going to get Teague's take on Alabama versus Texas. But as he has that intro, classic man, man, I tell you what, your swag for the Alabama-Texas game, if people didn't see it, they need to immediately follow you. Check out that Alabama blazer and the customized Alabama kicks as well, George. <laughs> hey, man, them shoes are legit now. Everybody trying to get some of them, but they ain't but one pair. There's only one pair in America because it's done by my uh, by my nephew. He's an artist, and he does those with shoes, so I'm, I'm pretty proud of those, that's for sure. Well, I tell you what. We as Alabama fans wanted to be proud of the outcome in Tuscaloosa on Saturday, 34 to 24, Alabama falls to Texas. We'll just start off by, I know one week ago you were on with us and we felt that Kool-Aid McKinstry would definitely be the difference maker in Saturday's matchup. They didn't really pick on Kool-Aid a lot and rightfully so because they didn't want to come up with anything other than success. So they go away from him and pick on Caleb Downs a little bit in the secondary. But your overall thoughts on the Alabama-Texas game? Uh, you know, and I was there. I was watching it live. And so it was, um, first of all, the atmosphere was electric. I thought it was just, you know, a great college atmosphere. But the game itself, I, I felt um, – early on that we were struggling a little bit, um, particularly in the first half with the way they were attacking our defense um, with the passes. I think we kind of talked about it a little bit. Um, I did talk about it on T-State quite a bit last week, and they were doing the same thing <laughs> this week. We didn't make the adjustments, I think. Um, offensive line was struggling um, a little bit. Uh, to slow their, their rush down. So I think we just had a lot of things that were going bad for us in the first half that you know we could not overcome in the second half. Well, when you look at the things that Alabama struggled with, it's third down efficiency, five out of 14. A lot of people want to point the finger at Jalen Milrow and what he did wrong and his two interceptions that resulted in only 10 points for Texas, and I say only 10 points, but Alabama has the lead, and then within a matter of 15 seconds, the next thing you know, Alabama is playing catch-up, and Texas has scored 14 points in 15 seconds. Well, you can't put that on Jalen Monroe, regardless of what we say about how his play, how we think about it. I don't think, you know, he didn't make every throw perfect. You know, he missed some that he wants to have back. He missed some that were a little bit off and some that were majorly off. But, you know, to me, as an analyst, I'm sitting there going that, hey, there was a lot that we didn't do on defense as well. You know, I don't know if we're talking enough about that. 350 yards passing um, is a lot. The explosive plays that we were giving up that they were making on us, that's on our defense. That's not Jalen. That's not the offense. You know, that was us not being able to slow them down. It literally felt like every time they got the ball, that they could go score if they wanted to. <laughs> and that's that's not an offensive problem. That's a defensive problem that we got to address, you know. Um, there's a lot with Jalen going on, you know. We're not built to be high-powered. I don't think that's who we are right now. We, we don't have wide receivers that are separating from from people. You could see that. They were covered up a lot. Um, you know, and Jalen's strength, he has a big arm. 
he can throw the ball a long way and forever and very pretty. Um, but we got to have some guys that are running free and open, too, to make some big plays. What adjustments to this offensive scheme do you think need to be made for Alabama to find success this season? Uh, well, this will sound negative, and that, that's not for me. To, I, I don't want to be that guy because I'm an Alabama fan through and through. Right. right? Um, I do believe that. Um, but our our drop-off and our ability to use our speed and the route running to separate guys is is troubling. I mean, I think we've heard this all off-season. We were talking about guys dropping the ball. Now we hadn't seen a lot of drops, Okay. But if you're not getting open and he can't get you the ball, that's a that's an issue. So our route concepts are going to have to be different. I think our running game, as we talk with 12 personnel and the things that can happen there, I really think we could be in a good position there. But until if we get in a position like this where we feel like we need to throw the ball, we're going to have to have some different options um, for Miro um, to do that. So what I would like to see, first of all, is – Let's not try to make Jalen Monroe something that he isn't. Get him on the move a little bit. He likes to run anyway. Go ahead and cut the field down a little bit. Sprint him out some more. Get some more bootlegs. Get some things where he can go. If it ain't there, buddy, take off. <laughs> you know, um, if it is there, go ahead and take your shot. So I like to see a little bit more bootlegs, waggles, those kind of things to give him an option to use it. Don't try to make him a pocket passer because um, I don't know that's where his strength is. No, he's not a drop-back passer for certain. We're speaking with George Teague, of course, former University of Alabama national champion. And, George, the inability for Alabama, you played on what is considered one of the most dominant defenses in the history of college football. Alabama, through two games, has not been able to get home, has not been able to pressure and get to the quarterback the way that you would expect out of this big dominant defensive line and the linebackers haven't been able to to shoot the gap and we haven't had that type of pressure through two games that is to be expected now granted South Florida we're going down there and we're favored by 35 36 points but when you do play who is now a top five team in the country in Texas why was there the inability for us as what we thought to be a dominant defensive line and secondary to get to the quarterback and get home. Yeah, I think we do rely on, you know, a lot of one-on-one matchups that typically we've just had better dudes than the other guy, you know, so you could send four, maybe five and get there because somebody was going to beat someone. Um, I think the playing field is getting a little bit more evenly matched, you know, with just the talent level that takes a little bit more work, (laughs) you know, for guys to get home. So, um, you know, our scheme, the way we need to loop guys, uh, run the um, TE stunts or ET stunts, whichever way you want to call them, or whoever wants to go first, some zone pressures. We did a little bit of that, just a tiny, tiny bit against Middle Tennessee where we were trying to drop it in and maybe send two backers and things of that nature. It's only happened a couple times. Um, we may have to get to some of that where we can have some um, overload pressures, not blitzes, pressures, you know, four on two, these kind of things, um, so that we can get someone home um, and free. Right now we're just playing. We're really just saying, hey, we're better than you. You know, our guys are better, and I don't know that that's, uh, that's going to be the formula going forward 
uh, for the remainder of the year. After seeing how Texas played in that atmosphere and the way that they played, would you say that Texas is the best team in college football right now and the team to beat? Man, I knew Nick, I knew Nick was gonna come with something, man. <laughs> <laughs> I knew Nick was coming with something today. I just didn't know what it was gonna happen. Um, they're a very good football team. They're a very, very good football team. I think that what they were able to accomplish um, against us, you know, showed a lot. They're they're a lot better on defense than we probably needed to. Uh, that we may have thought. I think up front they were just. Um, pretty good equipped they they were whooping our guys so um i think they are where they need to be as far as being ranked i'm not ready to put them ahead of georgia um yet i've seen georgia play too and them dudes they just they you know they got stuff coming from all over the place so uh i'm not ready nick to put them <laughs> at the top just yet uh top five i give it to them but uh not number one just yet so when you look at Greg McElroy saying today the Tides dynasty domination is done, he says there's a difference in competing and dominance over the competition. When the Crimson Tide truly had a dynasty, they were dominating the competition. Now, former Alabama players that belong to that A club, such as our own Scott Hunter, Bo Scarborough, Reggie Ragland, Ruben Foster, Marquise Mays have all chimed in about the current state of Alabama's football. Some of the guys are quoted as saying, let's see if we got proud. Now that Bama doesn't have a sense of pride for themselves or the team, that's the difference in the past couple of years and the teams that started the dynasty. I know that as you guys won the national championship in 1992, the first since probably 1979, which is a very long time to go through that drought, you look at from 92 to 09 when the dynasty began for Nick Saban. Chime in a little bit about your thoughts on how, as a former player, instead of criticizing the current players, you can find a way to critique them. Yes. So I think, you know, I'm not one of the decisions to say our dynasty's done. I don't necessarily believe that. You could have a game. No, I wasn't happy the way that we played. You know, I thought, man, well, surely we could be a little bit better than this. I had those kind of feelings, but never did I was like, think, oh, well, this is it. No, because you still have pride as players in the locker rooms. They're not going to feel good about this. They're going to watch that film. They're going to see some things, a bunch of players, right? I could have did this better. I could have did that a little better. And we need to see how they're going to react. Maybe not necessarily against South Florida, but the SEC games after that, right? And so – I think we, as players, we also got to temper what we say or how we think about it because the game is different. The way, the way players think is different. So when you take an old-school guy like me, I don't know what their pressures are dealing with NIL and payments and collectives and not being in a dorm and, you know, all these other things that make their world a whole lot different. What I do know and what I can see is that there could be a little bit less of little less, right, of pride of being at Alabama. Please take this in a way and listen to what I'm saying is more so because 
when I went to Alabama, it was truly because I wanted to be an Alabama person. A lot of us grow up saying we want to go to the University of Alabama. I want to play for that university. The world of the transfer portal has changed a lot of that the way people move, they go to three or four high schools to try to put themselves in position just to try to get to a college. And when you look at how many people transfer now, it doesn't mean the same thing, right? I'm not knocking it. Or not. It just doesn't. That's why I don't buy jerseys <laughs> a lot of guys now because they might not be there next year. Mm-hmm. So their pride is different. It frustrates old guys like me because that happens. Um but we got to deal with that. The thing is, we just need, we need the guys to be in it while they're here. They need to be able to, to play and understand that we do have some pride and some traditions that we want to uphold. Um, that comes with hard work. That comes with, you know, what does fourth quarter mean, hanging those up. When you say Bama on five side, what, is, what does that actually mean? You know, um, because people are kind of in and out right now, so it makes it a little bit different. So we can criticize the fans, but we don't need to have personal attacks on players because, you know, we're happy or not happy because they didn't win the game. I agree with you 100% there, George. And you witnessed something. I know in the NFL, you knocked the hell out of Terrell Owens for standing on the logo and posing in your house. You saw Texas go ahead after the game and really walk on the logo, step over the logo as Alabama players filtered themselves to the locker room. I think when there is that sense of pride, you look at what Minka Fitzpatrick brought to the NFL and the Steelers by protecting that Steelers logo that's in the middle of the locker room, making sure no one walks across it and roping it off. Same type of sense and pride that you saw Texas players not taking in respecting Alabama after defeating them. And then it kind of trickles down to Alabama's fans venting a little bit in frustration as well. So talk about that perspective of protecting the logo not being disrespected, being pushed around on the football field when you see Deontay Lawson get pushed after the play and his teammates not being able to come to his aid because they're scared they're going to get an unsportsmanlike penalty conduct called on them and get their behinds chewed by Nick Saban. Yes. Now I'll try to hit these a few points um, quickly. The first thing, you people that think that um, – the logo is just some paint on the field. You're crazy. It means a whole lot more than that. And if you said it the best. If it only meant that, why would Terrell Owens go run out to the middle of the field? Why would Mika Fitzpatrick go uh, tape off something because he didn't want to get dirty, <laughs> you know, in the locker room? If you can't figure out what a player is saying about this, it means the world to us to be able to protect that logo. Okay? So, we should have those still type of pride. It doesn't matter win or lose. You know, win, okay, you win, everybody runs off the other way. But when you lose, there's still a piece of class of going to go and shaking someone's hand. But there's a deterrent, too, to say, hey, we out here, too, so you just can't come out here and just do whatever, right? Um, that didn't change for me in high school football. I did the exact same thing with the school here, John Paul II High School. We got beat by a team. We were down, we were out, you know, we were saying something to our uh, fans. 
And that other team was out there having their little team discussion out on their logo. Now, what I did was I told my team, hey, chill out right here for a minute. I need to go out here and talk to their coach. Ask the coach to move off the logo. I need you to move 10 yards down. Please get on the 40. I don't want y'all right here. He looked at me like I'm crazy, right, in doing that, but he understood because he knew we were about to have some problems out here because you're taking over our field right now. That's what bothered me the most at the end of this game. No, I'm not saying go out there and throw blows and do all that other kind of stuff, but there's a certain way you can talk to people or a posture that you can have, right? Hopefully I'm not wrong with that, right? And so, go ahead. It's like uh, what Shadur Sanders did, right? You know, you talk about it being different now. That had to have been like a blast from the past. Like, this guy's got it right with how he handled the Nebraska team. Oh, absolutely. And I'm glad. I don't know if everyone saw that, but they need to go look at that. It was before the game. And that's why I was actually chuckling and laughing because, you know, people like, oh, they can't go out on the field and take pictures, quit being so soft, quit being a little baby. No, this even happened before the game, and he took offense to it when they're warming up because typically that doesn't happen. People don't even – you normally work from 40 in on both directions unless you're the home team, and you might scoot up to the 50 zone. But, yeah, so they're out there standing on the logo. That's disrespectful. And they shouldn't be out there. So hats off to Shador for doing that and saying, hey, y'all need to move over a little bit, man. I mean, because that buff means something to him, right? And so I feel the same way. And that irked me the most. I can't tell you. Y'all can't see me, but hopefully y'all can hear it in my voice. It irked me so bad when I saw all our guys trucking into the locker room and all those white jerseys were out there congratulating themselves. I guess. I don't know. They weren't, you know, we we weren't going to say daft them up a few guys. And then I they stood around for 20, 30, 45 minutes. I might have been there an hour. And I just started video and I was watching it. More and more people were out there. It wasn't just those four guys taking pictures. I saw Texas people out there, business people. Everybody was out on our field. And yeah, I thought, where's the AD? I got another film of our people standing down towards the 20-yard line, 20 yard line, huddled up. It's crazy, y'all. It is crazy because I'm looking I'm like, y'all should be out there on the 50, and these other people should be taking pictures somewhere else, right? So I was really, really, really ticked off. It's a um, sense of pride. About sure. it because I just thought we had a bad deal. I'm it, sorry. I'm no, getting fired no, up no, all no, over again, you're man. Good, you're getting... good. And we love it. I mean, it's Teague's take. It's Teague. We're teeing mm-hmm. up with Teague. George Teague, former national mm-hmm. champion, one of the greatest to do it in the history of Alabama's defense, playing on what is considered the greatest college defense of all time and, and what the logo still means to you and just sharing what it could possibly mean to these current players so that does not happen again moving forward. And what you don't like to see, George, is for it to trickle down to the fans. And you love to see fans win with class. You love to see them lose with class. And, you know, you can trash talk during the game with players because we know there's jaw jacking going on. But when it goes into the fans taking it to that next level, that's the part that I think ultimately is a horrible reflection on the University of Alabama as well. 100%. And I forgot to say this, can I please just add this piece about Deontay Lawson? There's a way that players can handle that, right? We should have, 
You remember that guy Lamar Thomas, who I chased down in the yeah. Uh, yeah. in the game. He actually ended up playing against him in the pros, and he was actually trying to take my legs out a little bit during the game. He was Tampa, I was at Green Bay. Now I could have retaliated, got a flag, like maybe down to it, but that's not what I did. I went to my players in the huddle and I said, "Hey, man, this guy over here is getting out of line. We need to handle this in between the whistles." and do this right. So hopefully there's some conversation, you know, for them to try to get, you know, to his back during, during the game. Anyway, I want to make sure I pointed that out. But the fans, you guys are an extension of us. You know, I cannot talk about how much we appreciate it as players on what our fans mean to us. The loudness, the craziness, the fun, the cheering, it actually helps us win games. It really, really does. But because of that, I feel like we're all an extension of each other. We we want to represent our university and our fans well, right? We need to be able to speak well. We got to do things well. We need to go to autograph sessions. We need to do public speaking and always say good things about the university. So do our fans. We don't want our fans being out there calling people racial things, homophobic things, whatever, because that's not representative of us or our university or me as a person. I don't want people to think, oh, well, George must like that or be condoned with that. No, because it's not. You shouldn't do that. Now, university shouldn't stand for it. When people do that, we need to find a way to find out who those people are and tell them you're not welcome. We don't need you here at our game <laughs> um, or whatever because this does not represent us. Um, and so there should be more looked into it, in my opinion. Try to find out who these people are. Call them out and, and let's move on um, and let people know that that's not what we're about at the university. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. Again, that coming from George Teague, former All-American for the University of Alabama Crimson Tide, Alabama Sports Hall of Famer. And, you know, we always love Teague's take here on the final drive. And, George, ultimately – how do you feel the Alabama Crimson Tide will go ahead and read and react here to South Florida? Does Coach Saban play multiple quarterbacks? Does the running game kick it up a notch? And do we eliminate all the stupid penalties, 90 yards worth that we had against Texas to beat South Florida the way that is Nick Saban's standard? Hey, I feel sorry for South Florida. <laughs> I do, man. I think there's people about to get hit very, very hard from all angles out there. Um, just because I know our guys are kind of probably not feeling good about this either, right? But I think we'll bounce back. We'll have a good game. We should handle up our business. It, it worries me a little bit because we got that. I wish we were playing a better team, right? To a more stronger team to um, to come out of this one with because you might get some false hope with this. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see um, a, another quarterback in the game at some point in time just to make sure we know. Um, I know there's been some rumbling and some talks about who's been taking reps and doing stuff for practice and all this kind of stuff. I don't know what um, – Saber's decision is going to be there, but it wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't surprise me if we don't get a little bit more um, look at it um, with another court, uh, quarterback deal. We got to fix the penalties. Um, that they're just that's just discipline on the player standpoint. They got to stop doing that type of stuff and um, not have crazy penalties because it puts you in a bad situation. Um, 
So we got a lot of stuff to clean up. I'm optimistic about it. I think we can do it. I think we can come back. I think our guys will respond. You know, let's really see what, what it looks like, you know, come December um, at the end of the year. George, before we let you go, are you familiar or have you heard about this Senior Bowl 75th anniversary team yet? What? Senior Bowl 75th anniversary? So what, what is that? So, for the 75th anniversary, they did a 50th anniversary of, like, the greatest players to come through the Senior Bowl. Now they're doing a 75th anniversary team. And you can actually go online and vote at SeniorBowl.com slash 75th team. And I'm right here on the ballot. And here at safety is where they have you at. You can pick three players that you want to make this team. And right here's the I'll read the list off to you. I want to hear who you would put amongst yourself as the other two, okay? Okay. All right, we got Carnell Lake out of UCLA, nineteen eighty nine, Blaine Bishop, Ball State, nineteen ninety three, Brian Dawkins, Clemson, nineteen ninety six, Mike Brown, Nebraska, two thousand, Bob Sanders, Iowa, two thousand four, Roman Harper, Alabama, two thousand five. Nick Collins, Bethune-Cookman, 2005. Eric Weddle, Utah, 2007. Devin McCourty, Rutgers, 2010. Harrison Smith, Notre Dame, 2012. Quandre Diggs, Texas, 2015. Kevin Byard, Middle Tennessee State, 2016. And Leroy Butler, Florida State, 1990. Now, obviously, you're in there. What other two would you want next to you? Man, did y'all just listen to all these names that he said? I know it's <laughs> tough. Lord. It's tough to win. You got to vote, George. <laughs> hey, look, you can vote too. Push your vote. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I don't know if I'm allowed to vote for myself. And, um, Why not? But this is this is this is amazing. And thank you for giving me a flashback of what the singing ball was. Absolutely love doing that, being down in Mobile and playing there. That have great memories about that and how it actually was a catalyst for me to get drafted. Um, but you got a couple of names on here. So everyone needs to know I did play with Leroy Butler, who just went to the Hall of Fame, um, right, a couple of years ago. Um, I do know Brian Dawkins, watch him play. Um, I, I'm going to vote. Um, one for Blaine Bishop. That's probably going to su- surprise a lot of people. Like, what? Why Blaine Bishop? Blaine Bishop was a undersized defensive back. The people told that he probably wasn't going to be able to do him. He reminds me of like Mark McMillan or something. Really small kind of guy, but would tear you up. And y'all played in the senior <laughs> the bowl ball. together, right? We did. So, um, I'm going with him. Uh is it, 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 does it seem like I'm being unfair because I'm going to vote for two defensive backs? No, I don't think <laughs> uh, so. The other one is going to be Brian Dawkins. Brian Dawkins, I think, um, I love watching that guy play as an athlete and just seeing his intensity, the way he covered, the way he hit. I mean, his leadership, his locker room presence, everything about him as an athlete, you know, I wish I could have um, been and done. Um, he's a tremendous dude, uh, doing it personally as well. And so uh, I'm going to vote for those two. If I didn't vote for myself, the next one would be Leroy Butler. Um because he created the Lambo Leap, man. How can you not uh, vote for the guy that created the Lambo Leap? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not <laughs> uh, too shabby. You know, to still have to today. 
Well, George, we can't thank you enough for always giving us your time on Wednesdays for Teague's Take. And next week, we'll go ahead and we'll dissect a little bit more. Nick picked the Jets and the Cowboys to play in the Super Bowl that prior was before, to yeah. Aaron Rodgers That's tearing wrong. his Achilles. So I, I will say this, George. I got the Cowboys I, he, winning it and, now. And listen, he'll be right about his prediction, but it'll be the week two matchup with the Cowboys and the Jets, not in the Super Bowl, but in the second Sunday bowl is what we're going to call that game that Nick has prophesied the Jets winning it all. Hey, look, no. all, all I'm saying is we saw how great the Jets looked even without Aaron Rodgers, so if he was healthy, I think I would have got that pick right because Dallas looked dominant against New York on Sunday. Well, I'll be able to tell you a little bit about that. I am going to the Cowboys just game this Sunday. I'll be there. So I'll let you know how it looks right. and give you all the real scoop next Wednesday um, on on how both of the teams look. Teague's, how about that? Hey, that that's take. what we want. That's what we want. We want Teague's take. Now, if people want to chime in and learn and listen more about Teague's take, an extension of your podcast and an extension of what we talked about here on the final drive, how can people chime in and follow you and get part of that Teague's take? Man, just get to YouTube. Hit Teague's take on there. We got Marvin Constant coming on tonight. I don't remember him. SEC linebacker, all SEC linebacker, and he's very opinionated. We're going to talk about what happened on Saturday as well. Get there. Find me on Twitter, man. Hit me at Teague Football. Uh, you can see what's going on. I'm expanding, doing it. I just picked up another show, brother. Did you see that? I'm going to do another uh, show with the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Call it That's awesome. Um, on Sunday. So great things are happening for us with Teague Take. We just want everybody to be a part of it. Just just go hit that subscribe button, hit that bell, and you know exactly what we're doing. Well, I'll tell you what, you got a great guest. Marvin Constant left it all on the line for Alabama at the goal line. So you've got a winner on your show. Your show is a winner. Can't wait to talk to you again next Wednesday, George. Appreciate it. See you guys soon.